0: After 20 years, the Statue of Liberty was finally ready to be erected in the United States. The statue was a gift to the US from France, and in June of 1885, made its way across the Atlantic in pieces. But there was a looming problem upon its arrival. As part of the project, the United States had pledged to construct a pedestal along New York's harbor, which would be the base for the copper statue. The cost of the pedestal was immense. The price tag was in the range of two hundred and fifty dollars to $300,000, which would be equivalent to approximately $7 million today. The American Committee for the Statue of Liberty raised more than half of the funds needed. But capturing the remaining cost would be a seemingly fruitless endeavor. Federal funding for the project was hampered by Congress's failure to devise a spending package supported by its constituents. Grover Cleveland, then governor of New York, rejected the idea of using city funds to pay for the statue's base. Many wealthy Americans in other states felt the monument was a New York affair and not a national matter. And while leaders from nearby states offered funding for the project, each demanded that the statue be moved to their respective territory as part of the deal. Lady Liberty, the symbol of democracy and freedom, simply had nowhere to stand. But Joseph Pulitzer refused to let France's gift go to any other state, and he certainly refused to sit idly by while others floundered to see the project to completion. Pulitzer owned a newspaper titled The New York World, and in March of 1885, he published an article asking his readers to help him fund the pedestal. Pulitzer's article read, We must raise the money. The world is the people's paper, and now it appeals to the people to come forward and to raise the money. The $250,000 that the making of the statue cost was paid in by the masses of the French people by the working men, the tradesmen, the shop girls, the artisans, by all, irrespective of class or condition. Let us respond in like manner. Let us not wait for the millionaires to give us this money. It is not a gift from the millionaires of France to the millionaires of America, but a gift of the whole people of France to the whole people of America. Within six months, and through a series of fundraisers and articles, more than 125,000 Americans answered Pulitzer's call to action. Together, they sent in more than $100,000 to the world, often in amounts less than a dollar. Adjusted for inflation, the totals raised equaled just under $3 million. These donations allowed construction on the pedestal to continue until it was completed. On October 28, 1886, Governor Grover Cleveland dedicated the Statue of Liberty in New York Harbor, her rightful landing place. Joseph Pulitzer's campaign was one of the most notable and successful crowdfunding projects in history. And with the birth of the internet, the call to fund projects can reach audiences across the world. Kickstarter, the global crowdfunding platform, went live in 2009 and has funded more than 500,000 projects, raising almost $6 billion to activate them. In 2018, the global toy company Hasbro incorporated crowdfunding into its slate of offerings for its Star Wars toys and collectibles line. This experimental project has opened new doors for the company, giving collectors the opportunity to own figures, creatures, vehicles, and playsets that would be impossible to sell in the current retail market otherwise. This is part one of the history of Hasbro's crowdfunding program, HasLab. This is the story behind the campaign to Back the Barge. This is what happens when a toy company gets creative and thinks beyond retail shelves. This is the continuing relationship between a toy company and its fan base. This is Season 4. And this is Star Wars Prototypes and Production.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: the, boss, the more you tighten your grip, Tom, the more star systems will slip between your fingers. I want to learn the ways of the Force and become a Jedi like my father.
1: The Force will be with you, always.
0: Building the sail barge did not begin in the offices of Hasbro. Instead, it started as a fan petition in 2013 by the websites Jedi Temple Archives and YakFace.com in an attempt to catch Hasbro's attention. The petition aimed for Hasbro to produce Jabba's massive vehicle for one of its Star Wars toy lines. The Vintage Collection, a popular and detailed line of hyperarticulated three and three-quarter inch figures, was canceled the year before and was promptly replaced with Hasbro's new premier offering, the three and three-quarter inch collection, the Black Series. For many fans, the Vintage Collection line connected the Kenner era of the original trilogy with the modern Hasbro offerings. The card backs resembled ones manufactured in the 1970s and 80s and featured the iconic silver racetrack design that surrounded the card and connected to the franchise's famed logo. But after Disney purchased Lucasfilm in 2012, the company shifted its focus to capturing both its 3 3/4 inch and 6 inch figures under one title with a more modern packaging design. Hasbro also produced a line of figures at a lower price point to continue reaching a wider audience. These figures only had five points of articulation, and lacked any of the premium paint applications and accessories that the Black Series figures had. And yet, with the sweeping changes to Hasbro's Star Wars lineup, collectors felt it was time to build a relationship with the toy company. To create a larger presence in the fandom whose voice would be heard to express the wishes for things seen on screen in the hopes that in the near future they would be translated into plastic models collectors could bring home with them, that a larger entity would hear them and would respond by granting those wishes in due time. So Paul from Jedi Temple Archives led the creation of the petition to put Jabba's sail barge into production, and Jason from Yak Face created the images that would accompany the fan-run campaign. And in total, 30 collector websites joined them in their pursuit to make this a reality. Each site hosted a pin link on its homepage that directed visitors to the petition. In forum-based discussions, collectors delved into the details of how the proposed project would likely play out. They debated the vehicle's size and which features it should possess. And more importantly, they expected the cost of the barge to be in the $200 to $300 range, only slightly more than Hasbro's most expensive vehicle at the time, the 2012 Millennium Falcon from the Vintage Collection, which retailed for $250. The Falcon was a reissue of the 2008 Legacy Collection model. There were two differences, however. The first was the packaging under the Vintage Collection title, the second was an arbitrary price increase of $100. For this reason, the vehicle sat on retail shelves until they were heavily discounted. And while Hasbro was certainly aware of the sail barge petition, the painfully slow sales of the Falcon may have killed the barge's chances of ever becoming a toy. The excitement and discussion around the petition eventually withered and it fell far short of acquiring its goal of 10,000 signatures. And with the vintage collection line seemingly concluded, and Hasbro's effort to build the Black Series brand among Star Wars collectors, the idea of the sail barge, especially in the growing 6-inch scale that Hasbro seemed to favor, appeared to be an impossibility. But even if it were to be considered eventually for the 3 and 3 quarter inch Black Series line, three looming issues remained. Number one, the price point for the sail barge would be too expensive for most collectors. Number two, retailers would reject carrying it in their stores due to size and cost. And number three, a larger interest for an item like this might only exist among the most ardent fans, but it would likely fail to meet mainstream appeal. And all of those factors could negatively affect Hasbro's bottom line. And without retailer backing, or the space to sell the barges, or an impassioned interest on the part of Star Wars collectors, the barge would never set sail into collectors' homes. And collectors feared the vehicles and playsets they wished they owned as children would never be produced. That ships like a full Star Destroyer or the Rebel Blockade Runner would never cross over into the tangible realm of toys and collectibles. Or that places like the Emperor's Throne Room and the Rebel Briefing Room would remain as unexplored ideas without Kenner's or Hasbro's design. It's really hard to explain this to someone who didn't grow up impacted by Star Wars. Who didn't pretend they were Luke or Leia, Orlando or Han, and use the action figures in the playsets to tell the stories they created. There are so many out there who were touched by Lucas's vision and stories, whose imaginations were sparked by what they saw on screen and developed by how they continued those stories at home and with friends. Who literally dreamt about vehicles they didn't own or couldn't afford and longed to one day hold. Who years later Hope to own something they thought would never be made, as a tribute and a special meaningful nod to their younger selves. Or who became kids again at the sight of something they never had, but always wanted. And if any of that was going to happen, if Star Wars fans were ever going to have the opportunity to add previously unproduced toys to their collections, it wouldn't be through the traditional retail channels. It would take a new approach, and a new way of thinking. Four years later, an old favorite returned. During the 2017 Hasbro panel at Star Wars Celebration Orlando, the room quieted, the lights dimmed, and among the soft piano-keyed planks of a familiar theme, attendees watched a teaser video of Hasbro's direction for the future. Moving images from the first film swept into the next. The screen faded to black as the words Moments That Shaped Our Childhood appeared reminding the audience of their connection to Star Wars and to the toys. As the music ramped up, the iconic scenes from A New Hope transitioned to the Kenner commercials from the 1970s, ones that showed children playing with the first 12 action figures the scene shifted again to the era of The Empire Strikes Back, showing key sequences from the film and recreating them with the action figure commercials of the 80s. And the Empire footage gave way to Return of the Jedi's monstrous rancor bounding toward Luke. It cut to a commercial in which a child held a rancor figure in a recreation of Jabba's dungeon. The video faded to black again with the words Moments That Will Never Leave Us glowing across the screen. The camera panned across a series of original Kenner carded Star Wars figures. The phrase, with new moments for the future, appeared and the scene shifted to the climax of The Force Awakens as a lightsaber embedded in the snow leapt from the ground and through the Force found its way into the hands of the film's heroine Rey. The final shot was of a carded figure emerging from the shadows and rotating until its front was visible. A Ray action figure on a vintage-style cardback bearing the Force Awakens logo faced the audience. And the biggest reveal closed out the video. The vintage collection logo from the toy line that was cancelled in 2012 filled the screen. And underneath it were the words, Return Spring 2018. Apparently, Hasbro had heard the fans' request to revive the beloved figure line and six years after being shut down, the vintage collection would return to retail. Less than a year later, a very special announcement would change the scope of the vintage collection line and Star Wars collections forever. Toy Fair. Also known as the North American International Toy Fair, it is a toy industry trade show that started in 1903. Toy Fair gave companies a platform to announce and display new and upcoming toys, and many of the latest toy trends were gleaned from the annual showcase. Is where Kenner debuted its line of Star Wars action figures in the 1970s, and where its successor, Hasbro, would further expand the Star Wars toy line. On February 17th, at the 2018 Toy Fair, Hasbro shocked Star Wars fans with the announcement of a new outlet for producing Star Wars toys, the Hasbro HasLab. HasLab was based on a crowdfunding platform, similar to the popular site Kickstarter. Kickstarter, established in 2009, allowed creatives to bring their projects to life through community funding. A person with an idea for a book, an invention, really anything, showcases it on Kickstarter's site, setting a financial goal, what they intend to deliver if it is funded, and a date of delivery. And if the proposal meets its financial and backing goals, the project would be produced. Through HasLab, Hasbro would apply this popular method of production to some of its loftier ideas, the ones that would otherwise fail at retail outlets. HasLab's purpose was to offer a potential project, something it would not produce otherwise, and it would only be put into production if it reached funding from a specified number of backers. HasLab would give Hasbro the opportunity to think big, but to minimize the risk and cost of failure. Traditionally, toys that underperformed would be heavily discounted or moved to bargain outlets in an attempt to recoup as much money as possible. But through HasLab's crowdfunding, Hasbro would only produce the exact amount of toys purchased by backers. There would be no excess inventory, no question whether or not a project would be a success or failure, and little if any waste of money, time, or company resources. And fans would finally have some of the dream pieces they've wanted. For the first HasLab project, that dream piece would be for the revived 3 three-quarter inch vintage collection line. And the toy would be the Katana, Jabba's sail barge from 1983's Return of the Jedi film. As senior marketing director Kristen Hamilton recalled, the announcement of the barge at Toy Fair elicited an audible gasp in the room people could not believe what they were witnessing. With HasLab, the impossible suddenly became possible.
1: Hi, I'm Steve Evans, design director for Star Wars here at Hasbro. And I'm Mark Boudreau, principal designer. I'm here to announce a really, really exciting new initiative that we're calling HasLab. HasLab is Hasbro's new platform that we hope will bring dream products to life for fans. Allow us to share with you a sneak peek of our first ever HasLab project. Fans have been asking for us to bring Jabba's sail barge from Return of the Jedi to life, and we haven't been able to do it. That is, until now. Jabba's sail barge is three and three quarter inch scale and even comes with a Jabba figure. There are removable side panels for incredible displays and dioramas. It's also got premium deco, vintage packaging for our Kenner fans, and even soft goods sales. For movie accuracy, Jabba's Sail Barge was modeled using Lucasfilm digital archives and photos from the 1982 set and some innovation for parts left to the imagination. This dreamlike product offers Star Wars devotees the quality and realism they know and love, but it is still in development. We need the help of our most passionate fans to make this a reality for all Star Wars collectors using HasLab. By supporting it with a pre-order of $499 on the HasLab site, you are contributing to the potential creation of a never-before-seen iconic product. If the campaign is backed with a minimum 5,000 pre-orders before April 3rd, 2018, Hasbro will sell full speed ahead with development. This could be a collection-defining piece for any Star Wars collector. To learn more about how we can bring this piece of Star Wars history to life, visit the HasLab website here. And, as always, May the Force be
0: with you. Mark Boudreaux had worked on every iteration of the Millennium Falcon toy over the past 40 years. Beginning as a co-op student who worked in Kenner's preliminary design department in the 1970s, he was part of the team responsible for shaping the original Star Wars line. And after Kenner was absorbed into Hasbro's portfolio, he continued to create memorable items for the Power of the Force and prequel releases in the 90s and early 2000s. Eventually, he became the senior principal designer for Hasbro's Star Wars division. As his tenure as a toy designer was coming to a close, and with retirement on the horizon, Boudreaux would once again charter a new course for the company. He led the new Haslab project in secret, and he and his team worked to make the sail barge a reality. In May of 2017, less than a year before the Haslab announcement, Boudreau spoke with StarWars.com about his time designing Star Wars toys. When asked about what he was currently working on, Boudreaux remained tight-lipped, but shared his optimism about a special project. He commented... Well, actually, I'm not at liberty to say much, but we are very excited about the new content that we are given the privilege and honor to work on. I've been very fortunate to be a small part of the Star Wars story, and I feel very privileged and honored to work with so many people over the years. We're very excited to see what's next. Before I jump into my own Millennium Falcon and head off into the sunset, I am really excited to see what's next. Boudreaux knew what was to come, and as excited as he was, it was hard to predict how it would be received. After all, a project this grand in design came with an equally large price tag. Would fans be excited enough? Would they see enough value to back the barge? Mark Boudreaux was on hand at Toy Fair that weekend to show off the prototype for the proposed sail barge. Produced in what was either a whitish-gray resin or plastic with 3D-printed components, the prototype gave fans a first look at the scale and design of the ship. It was topped with translucent red sails that made the sneak peek even more exciting. Having a model ready for display was probably more important than Hasbro realized at the time. It demonstrated that HasLab was a serious project, one that Hasbro planned on delivering if interest was there. A working model was far superior to a sketch or even a 3D digital rendering because Star Wars collectors had a fuller idea of what Hasbro intended. And it was seen as a toy and not just a concept. This helped to solidify the campaign as one worth backing because there was a greater chance that it could become a reality. In addition to the big reveal at Toy Fair, Hasbro also announced that the campaign for crowdfunding the barge began that same day. Let's take a look at what was announced on the website. Under the title Driven by Passion, the text introducing the barge read... In the film Star Wars Episode VI Return of the Jedi, the Katana was a luxury 30-meter sail barge owned by Jabba the Hutt that carried a massive transport of up to 500 passengers and 26 crew members. Complete with three decks, the sail barge was primarily used to transport passengers on extended trips across the dunes on the planet Tatooine. Most notably, the sail barge was the site of Jabba's demise at the hands of Princess Leia Organa and her cohorts. Next came the product features. These specs gave potential backers a fuller idea of the size and scope of the project and what they would receive if the sail barge was funded to completion. The katana would be the largest Star Wars action figure-related toy yet. Measuring a little over four feet in length, it was eighteen inches larger than the massive legacy Millennium Falcon, which spanned thirty one inches. The barge stood seventeen inches high, from the base to the sails, almost fifteen inches wide, and weighed a hefty fourteen pounds. In total, it was eighty percent of what a full scale model would be for a three and three quarter inch figure line. For Chris Stern, Lucasfilm's Senior Manager of Product Development, the hope was to capture what fans remembered about the Katana and what they saw on screen. He said, Our goal and our role here is how accurate can we get? Whether it's scouring for an old set of blueprints, utilizing archive models, published materials, and or entertainment footage, all of which helps guide us in our decision-making and ultimately to the final result. The mission to back the barge came with a deadline. Pre-orders for it began on February 17, 2018, the day of the announcement. Fans had 45 days to purchase their katana, and the pre-order window closed on April 3rd at 11.59pm Pacific Time. For the sale barge to go into production, a minimum of 5,000 pre-orders had to be purchased during the 45-day window. If the number of pre-orders fell below that number, the sail barge simply would not become a toy, and the backers' orders would be canceled. Backers did not risk anything if the project fell through. They would only be charged if the ship was put into production after April 3rd. Purchasing a sail barge was not cheap. During the original petition for Hasbro to produce a barge in 2013, fans speculated that a barge would be in line with the price of the Legacy Falcon at about $250 or possibly more. Hasbro's price for the 4-foot-long barge would be double that at $500. 5,000 backers at $500 each would result in a gross profit of $2.5 million for Hasbro. While that would be before factoring the costs of designing and producing the toy, that number was also the result of the minimum amount of backers funding the project. What would be a blessing for fans would also be a financial blessing for the company, which could result in more projects like this over the next decade. The countdown began. The clock started its descent. Hasbro had presented its proposal and during the next six weeks would update fans with new announcements, photos, and videos. But the fate of the katana rested with those who backed it and were considering backing it. I think now would be a good time to take a tour of the katana. After all, for someone backing this project at $500, it had better be worth the price. And fortunately, I'm able to shrink us down to three and three quarter inch height. So we'll see what an action figure sees through the eyes of those with immense imaginations. I've never done this before, but I feel confident it will work. Do you mind if I shrink you down as well so you can join me? Great. I'm just going to push this remote, which is tied to that shrinking ray over there. We're going to start our tour at the front of the barge, so if you could lean over it a little bit, we'll both fall into the cockpit. Actually, that was easier than I thought. I barely felt a thing. Growing up, I was always the smallest kid in my class, but this is on an entirely different level. Okay, so we're in the cockpit right now. I'll sit down here in one of the two gold-framed driver's seats, and each one has a two-handled joystick-like steering wheel in front of it. A console with screens surrounds us with words in the Huttese language. The walls behind us are a dusty brown with gray control panels. The cockpit is a Lucasfilm-licensed design created by Mark Boudreau for the toy, since it was never shown in Return of the Jedi. The attention to detail is incredible, even down to the gold one-eyed statues on the walls behind the driver's seats, which are reminiscent of the gargoyle statues on Jabba's throne. I'll put the barge on autopilot, and we can walk through the open door behind us to start the tour. On our left is a closed jail cell to hold prisoners on the barge. The door to the cell doesn't open. Rather, the entire wall is a panel that slides to the right to reveal the inside of the cell. The floor and the walls leading into the cell are a brush-painted copper. It's a little dark in here, but I can see an actual metal chain with a collar on it coming from the back wall, presumably for a prisoner. It's empty, but if I turn on my trusty flashlight... Oh, wow. In the far left corner of the cell are the skeletal remains of an Ithorian. Think Hammerhead from the Cantina scene in Star Wars, who's been left here way too long. Let's leave him be. Here, if you can give me a hand with this panel, we'll shut the cell and move on. Right next to the cell, again to our left, is what appears to be a galley, basically a small kitchen on a ship. Where the wall cuts in is a base of L-shaped wood cabinets. Above them are what appears to be a stove and a sink. Against the back wall is a rack, with three frog-like creatures hanging from it, ready to be prepared for Jabba's next meal. Oh, I think you accidentally turned the sink on. I'll shut it. Oops, that was the button for the stove. Here's the button for the sink. Walking past the galley, we see a larger room with two staircases leading to the top deck. Oh, wow, look at the back wall. There are axes hanging up, and there are racks to store vibro-staffs and other weapons. Before we head into the next room, do you mind if I just check out one of the axes? It's a Gamorian guard axe, and I've always wanted to swing one. Here, take a picture of me with this one. Ready? I'm going to pretend like I'm attacking. One, two, three. Sorry, I almost got you there. Uh, we'll just leave that there and move on. What's this at our feet? Oh wow, a hidden panel you can store some weapons or accessories in there. Actually, you can fit a figure in it as well. That's a pretty nice feature, and it's definitely a surprise. Looking at the floor of the barge, you wouldn't even know it was a secret panel. Moving on, we now approach Jabba's throne. Hello, mighty Jabba. We have come today to check out your majestic and impenetrable sail barge. The Java figure comes with the barge and is a reissue of the 2015 3 3 inch Black Series release. But this one is much nicer, as it has a more realistic paint deco. The ceiling in this room is higher on one side, which makes it easier for characters like a Mana Man and Yak Face to stand. Next to four columns is his throne which moves slightly to accommodate more figures around him. Although it looks similar to his palace throne, in place of the bowl containing food is a switchboard with a microphone. It's the same microphone C-3PO used to relay Jabba's message to Luke and Han when they were on a skiff over the Sarlacc in Return of the Jedi. On the wall to the left of the throne is what appears to be a mounted piece of artwork. The image is a carving of Jabba, surrounded by opulence and female aliens. The artwork was lifted directly from an interior shot of the barge in Return of the Jedi as well, and a bronze Gamorrean Guard head statue hangs directly above it. Thank you for having us here today, Jabba. As we approach the back of the barge, we see another area from the film. Two gold walls with golden Rancor arms protruding from their tops house etched panes of glass and create a little booth. In the film, like we see here, Max Rebo is playing some music for us on a small keyboard. Above this section is a bronze Rancor statue, which also came from the film. Let's go back past Jabba into the weapons room, to the upper deck. We'll take the staircase. It's one of two that leads to the top of the ship. Wow, it's certainly windy up here. As you can see, above the deck are two large red sails that cover most of the ship. Over there, toward the rear of the barge, you'll see the swiveling cannon that Leia used to destroy the barge before she and Luke fled. You can also take one of the smaller handheld cannons, as some of the skiff guards did in Jedi, and you can mount them along different points of the railing. And speaking of the railing, there's a small removable section where you can recreate C-3PO and R2-D2 escaping the barge before it was blown up by our heroes. There are more screen-accurate gargoyle heads and other elements on the deck that will really help to capture the realism of the barge. And off to the side, over at the front, just above the prison cell, is a button. When you push the button, it opens a trap door above the cell that drops whomever is standing on it. Okay, let's go back to the removable part of the railing. On the count of three, we're going to jump. And as we do, I'm going to press this remote and activate the shrinking ray again. It'll bring us back to our regular sizes. I think. We should be fine. I think. Yeah, no, we should be fine. Oh, and it looks like we picked the perfect time to leave. Ready? One, two, three, jump! I bet you didn't think you were going to have that kind of adventure today. A very rare single prototype. According to development director Steve Evans, that would be the Katana's legacy if the project wasn't funded. After Hasbro's Toy Fair reveal, backers piled in immediately. But soon, those daily numbers slowed, and it appeared the campaign's momentum was fading. And if the sail barge failed, it could destroy the hopes of any future HasLab projects as well. The Hasbro team worked to keep the sail barge on the forefront of collectors' minds during the 45-day campaign. The company distributed high-resolution photos showcasing many of the interior details and exterior additions that made the barge as realistic and as screen-accurate as possible. Hasbro also previewed Behind the Workbench, a 64-page booklet that would come with each order. Behind the workbench trace the history of the barge from conceptual blueprints to the final design The booklet contained interviews with some of the designers as well as relevant explanations into the overall construction of the toy Here is an excerpt from behind the workbench the barge cockpit The reference illustrations we started with show a dashboard that goes around and monitor screens But it is all very basic there is enough information to distinguish that it is a cockpit, but for the detail we need in the plastic components of the vehicle, Marc Boudreau and team relied heavily on reference materials and inspirations from the set. They added controls, steering columns, vents, piping, pedals, and all kinds of visual cues that run throughout the ship all in an attempt to remain faithful to the lore as well as the actual mechanics of a ship of the katana's size and esteem. But with less than a month to go in the campaign, it appeared the barge was in danger of missing the backing goal. The amount of pre-orders fell far below the minimum 5,000 needed to launch it into production. Naysayers blame the lagging sales on a number of factors. Landing 5,000 backers in less than two months seemed like an unrealistic goal, especially since the campaign was only offered to buyers in America and Canada. Getting fans to spend $500 on a vehicle they had not seen in person and may not be produced also complicated matters. And interested buyers were likely caught off guard by February's surprise announcement, leaving them little time to budget that kind of money for a toy by April 3rd. Additionally, Hasbro required full payment once the barge was backed, and a payment plan was not an option. Some believed that the HasLab campaign was nothing more than a PR stunt to drum up hype for the company. And it was also seen as a way for Hasbro to appear as though they had tried to meet Fan's demands by offering the katana without actually having to produce it. The blame would no longer rest on Hasbro's shoulders, but would now be on the fan base for not funding into production something it supposedly wanted. However, Steve Evans assured Star Wars collectors that Hasbro was serious about its HasLab offering, tweeting, Rest assured, I haven't had the team work late nights for months in designing this for that. We want this to succeed 100%. Hasbro ran the first leg of the race. It handed off the baton, hoping Star Wars fans would help it cross the finish line by the deadline. With the April 3rd deadline approaching, Hasbro presented its final marketing blitz to convince fans to back the barge. With a little more than a week remaining, the toy company showed off a fully painted prototype on the entertainment website Entertainment Weekly. The article talked about the project and contained a time-lapse video demonstrating how the prototype came together but the biggest reveal in this final push was the surprise inclusion of a companion piece for the katana. Hasbro announced that the sail barge would come with an exclusive 3 3⁄4-inch figure, Yak Face. Yak Face appeared in Return of the Jedi and was the final figure released in Kenner's Power of the Force line in 1985. However, it was released internationally but was never officially sold in the United States. And for decades, American collectors have desperately searched for the carded Power of the Force examples that came with the Yak Face figure and coin. And to Steve Evans and the rest of the team, this legendary and elusive figure seemed like the perfect companion for a dream vehicle like the Katana. To distinguish this vintage collection figure from other carded releases, the HasLab Yak Face would come with a special coin. A nod to the original Kenner line, to which the cardback designs paid tribute. For many collectors, the exclusive yak face figure was the deciding factor in funding the HasLab project. Hundreds of orders were added daily, and collectors watched as the total approached the minimum 5,000 backer requirement. On March 29th, Hasbro released a video highlighting the katana's shocking size and playability. In a computer-generated realm, designers filled the barge with as many standard vintage collection clatu figures as they could. How many clatus do you think the barge could hold? More than 50? More than 60? How about 70? In total, the computer-generated simulation concluded that the sail barge could hold 182 clatus which is an incredible and eye-catching statistic. It proved to those who had yet to see it in person that the scope for it was on a level that had never been attempted. With five days left, the Hasbro team waited anxiously. The finish line was in sight, but would the barge fall short of becoming a reality? Would the project be remembered as a success or as something that almost happened? One of Star Wars' defining elements is that its stories are built upon hope. From George Lucas' wild and seemingly impossible vision for the original trilogy, to the idea that a group of disparate protagonists could come together and not only save the galaxy, but become a family in the process, hope is that driving force. And we see the results in the positive and creative effects those stories have had on all of us over the past four decades. To Steve Evans and Mark Boudreaux and the rest of the Hasbro team, the Katana wasn't merely another assignment. It was the chance to fulfill the request for a tangible piece of the Star Wars puzzle that had been conspicuously absent. The dream to own the sail barge began for many children in the 1980s and lingered throughout adulthood. It was a wish destined to remain unfulfilled until HasLab materialized in 2018. It wasn't just another project, it was a farewell gift from one of the most iconic and accomplished designers during his nearly 40-year career creating Star Wars toys. It was a chance for a team to do something new, to plunge headfirst into uncharted territory, and to will ideas into existence. But the team wasn't doing it alone. Instead, it was the echo of connection, a magical sort of call and response. The team did its part, and on March 30th, the fans carried the katana across the finish line, putting the toy into production with more than 5,000 orders. To show its appreciation, Hasbro tweeted, Star Wars fans, you backed the barge. Jabba would be proud. (laughs) And once it was officially funded, many more collectors bought into the idea, adding another 3,000 orders within the next few days. By the April 3rd deadline, 8,810 barges were set to sail into the homes of collectors across the continent. The project was a financial success as well, grossing $4.4 million. Hasbro shipped the 64-page Behind the Workbench booklet to backers almost immediately, and released progress updates over the second half of the year. The first update came at the very end of May. It began with a note to the backers which read, Star Wars fans, thank you so much for making the dream of creating Jabba's Sail Barge a reality and joining us on the maiden voyage of Haslab. Without the 8,000 plus backers who supported this initiative, this project would not be possible. As promised, we're keeping you apprised of exciting developments along the road to barge completion beginning with our first monthly HazLab update to give you an even deeper look into the development process. The update also included images of early 3D-printed interior pieces to the barge, like a mounted Gamorian guard, head statue, and axes, as well as parts of the Athorian skeleton from the prison cell. The accompanying photos and videos showed all of the pieces, totaling 250, needed to create a completed sail barge, and the process behind putting it all together. An interesting addition, labeled as a sculpt development, was the fan-requested railing for the top level of the katana. A skiff guard figure named Vizam was released with a handheld cannon for the vintage collection line, and the railing was modified to accompany these cannons. It's a small touch that magnifies the care that went into designing the toy, and that the team aimed to deliver a product that met fans' hopes and expectations. In some ways, that railing is a tangible example of the synergy that occurs when those that care enough to make something connect with those that care enough to buy it. The second update arrived on August 1st and focused on the Deco development the mold and paint specifications that transformed the barge into a realistic and screen accurate model. A video also demonstrated one of the initial paint tests done on a smaller scale prototype measuring 12 inches in length. The update ended with reference photos of the construction of the rigging on the barge's sails. The third update on September 19th focused on the molds used to create the ship. Before the steel molds were made, Hasbro printed a version of the Katana in a whitish-grey resin or plastic. This allowed the team to approve the design, and to figure out the size of the box as well as how it would be packed inside. Viewers were given a rare look at how the steel molds were then carved according to digital specifications. A month later, the fourth update unveiled the packaging layout for all sides of the box. An accompanying video showed how the photography team created the shot that would adorn the front of the box, along with ones that displayed some of the play features and were done in the style of the Kenner era packaging. It took 14 employees almost 120 hours to create the photos of the katana, floating over 900 pounds of sand. The fifth update arrived right before Christmas of 2018. It offered a look at the engineering pilot, or EP. The EP is the first factory-built example Hasbro receives, and it gives the designers a better idea of what the barge will look like in the hands of consumers. It also allows them to fine-tune things like paint applications before it is ready for production. As an exciting bonus, the update included images of the barge's final packaging designs, as well as the protective packaging to house the carded yak face. Hasbro published its sixth and final update on February 22, 2019, almost a year to the day of its initial Toy Fair reveal. The company promised to ship all domestic orders by March 4th, and then all of the Canadian orders by March 14th. The update explained the packing and shipping process, and provided fans with a downloadable version of the finalized instruction manual. The final note ended with these two powerful lines. And with that, our marathon year-long journey ends. May the Force be with you, Star Wars fans. With less than 10,000 examples produced, the Haslab Sale Barge is one of the rarest Hasbro Star Wars toys ever produced. Almost three years after its arrival, the barge has become a true collector's item, and is more popular than ever. At the November Hakes auction, the barge was the first modern production piece to make its way into the vintage Star Wars section of the catalog, and pulled in a final bid of $1,800. And on eBay, the price of a sealed katana is currently selling in the $2,000 to $2,500 range. The Vintage Collection Sail Barge was the first project under the crowdfunded HasLab program. For Steve Evans, Mark Boudreaux, and the rest of the Hasbro team, it was a success on every level. Not only did it connect with Star Wars fans, but it launched HasLab as a platform for future Star Wars-themed projects. It solidified its promise to deliver toys on a scale that matched what collectors had envisioned for a sizable vehicle like the Barge. With HasLab, Hasbro could truly explore the entirety of the Star Wars galaxy. And soon, HasLab campaigns for other Hasbro properties emerged. Fans backed a two-foot-tall Sentinel figure from Marvel's Legends line. They put into production the massive and menacing, planet-eating Unicron from the legendary 1986 animated film, Transformers the Movie. And they backed the creation of a new version of the fantasy adventure game HeroQuest, tripling the minimum funding goal. The sail barge was the impetus for HazLab projects, but it would only be the beginning for new Star Wars offerings. And in the summer of 2020, rumors of another Star Wars project began to surface, and fans waited to see what Hasbro would create next through its new and exciting platform, HasLab. Welcome to Season 4 of the podcast. I hope this episode was an exciting start to what should be a fascinating exploration through the toy and story landscape that is Star Wars. We have so many upcoming series and events on the horizon this year, and I can't wait to experience them with you. And I really want to create the best possible episodes to help you in your collecting journey. I want you to understand the history of Star Wars toys made by Kenner and Hasbro, as well as how a concept becomes a collectible through the pre-production process. In addition to continuing the Collecting prototype series, expect to hear conversations with your fellow collectors, and maybe some of the people who have worked on the Star Wars toy lines. And once the toy show season begins again, get ready for recaps and live reports from the shows, the conventions, and the toy show weekends. And what I've realized more than ever this year is how important the collecting community and Star Wars clubs are to the hobby. Connecting in person with others and sharing that common bond of collecting is so crucial. It brings a balance, a vibrancy. It creates friendships and moments that make life special. And as long as I'm able to do so, I'll try to bring you to as many meetups and events through the Empire State and in any other state this year. Here's where I need your help. Three simple things that will keep this podcast going and growing. First, please subscribe to the podcast. This way, as soon as the latest episode drops, you'll be notified. Second, if you're enjoying the episodes, please leave a review. The closing theme is coming up shortly, and I think it's a little more than 50 seconds long, and you could write a quick review while listening to The Instrumental. It'll help podcast platforms to recommend prototypes and production to other Star Wars fans and collectors. And third, and most importantly, please share the podcast with at least one other person this week. I cannot tell you the friendships and blessings that have come from getting to know others through the years and I believe the podcast will be a vehicle to connect collectors. I'll share a quick story with you that speaks to the power of connection. I met a friend named Lucas at a toy show this year. He was familiar with the podcast, and we became friends pretty quickly. We hung out for a while, and we even recorded something for the show. A few days later, he reached out and invited me to hang out at Setup for another toy show, one that was happening that upcoming weekend. It turned out to be a really nice event, and I had the opportunity to get to know him better and to meet his fiance. While we were there, I told him about some of the Star Wars collecting clubs of which I am a member. I shared stories about the Empire State Club and the Pennsylvania Club and gushed about the wonderful and creative members of the Georgia Alliance and toward the end of the year, Lucas had joined the Georgia Alliance and mentioned to me that he would be in Atlanta for work during the weekend of the club's annual winter social event. He asked me if I thought the Georgia Alliance would mind if he attended. There's something really special about seeing a friend become connected to other collectors. Because many of us are connected to the collecting community, and we know how it has changed our lives. We hold dearly the memories of time spent together, and we anticipate the next time we'll all be in the same room. I want that feeling for everybody. So I gave him the names of many of the club members and told him they would love to have him be part of the Winter Social. And although I was unable to attend with Lucas, I was so excited for him. I know what it's like to go to a meetup for the first time. And my friends in the Georgia Club are some of the most caring and joyful people in our hobby. Lucas went and he brought swag that he had made specifically for the hosts as a way to commemorate his first meetup and to say thank you to those who put the event together. And the Winter Social turned out to be another fantastic event held by an amazing club of Star Wars fans. And at its essence, that is the best part about collecting and the hobby. Not the things we acquire, but the friendships. And it doesn't get better than seeing our friends connect with our other friends, growing our community one passionate person at a time. Happy New Year, and thank you for listening to Star Wars Prototypes and Productions.